coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today, fresh off of Hell Week. I, I guess it sounds like you survived Hell Week, Kurt? For now, yeah, we'll say that. For, for now. now. Are you at the point now? I mean, what, you're more than, I mean, what, seven, eight months in? Are you at the point that you're regretting the whole law school thing, or are you still feeling it? Because I know I couldn't handle it. Uh, still feeling it. Doesn't make it easy, but feeling it. Yeah, I guess that's the whole thing, right? Make it as hard as humanly possible. Just for the sake of making it hard. That kind of stuff has just always driven me crazy. People making your life as difficult as they possibly can for really no rhyme or reason, just for the sake, at least it seems like just for the sake of making it difficult. But you, sir, are a better man than I am. All right, but anyway, we're going to be talking a lot of football here in just a few moments, but I do want to open today's show with a mass apology. I already addressed this on social media, so if you follow us there, you've probably already seen me address this, but I know not everyone does the whole social media thing. And even if you do, you might have easily missed it over the weekend. But we, as a team here at the Glory UGA Podcast, want to offer our most sincere apology for the very inappropriate first ad that originally ran at the beginning of our last episode. It has been removed now, so if you haven't listened yet, then great, because you're not going to hear it. But those of you who did listen to the show over the weekend... Before the ad was removed, you know what I'm talking about. It was tasteless, unprofessional, and just downright unacceptable. There may be a place in another podcast for ads and products like that, but this ain't it. Uh, All of us here at the Glory UJ podcast are genuinely sorry for any offense or discomfort that that ad may have caused. And I know it did. I know some people were offended by that, and I sincerely apologize for that. We are not consulted about every single run-of-the-mill ad that runs on our show, but normally when it's an ad of a sensitive nature like that one was, we are consulted for approval. But that 100%, let me make this clear, 100% did not happen in this case. We had no foreknowledge that that specific ad was going to run, and trust me, trust me, we were all mortified when we were made aware of it on Saturday. I, I actually first found out about the ad from my very, very angry wife, who usually does the quality check by listening to the show because I just, I'm one of those weird people who just can't stand to hear myself on a recording. So I don't like to go back and listen to it if I can avoid it. My wife is wonderful and, and uh, does that job for me. But I was confronted by her demanding to know what I thought I was doing by running an ad like that. So, I can assure you we had no idea that was going to run. I had no idea what my wife was talking about until she played it for me. And I was just like, oh, my God. Uh, so our, our producers, they place those network ads on our show. That's how this works. And unless they specifically bring a potentially sensitive one to our attention, like they normally do when it's any kind of sensitive material, we just have no idea what those ads are going to be until my wife listens to the show and reports back to me. I can tell you that we have addressed this issue with our producers and partners at Overtime Media, and we are attempting together to put mechanisms in place to ensure something like this just never happens again, because it can. It cannot happen again. Uh, On their end, our very, very good friends at Overtime Media were very, very apologetic and explained to us that it was an issue with that with their category filter that they I'm not an expert on that side of things but that's what we were told and they are actively working to correct that in the meantime they have thankfully removed that one particular ad and, and Curtis Charlie and I will all do a better job ourselves of monitoring the types of ads that run on our show. So again, those of you who heard it and were offended by it, please, please accept our most sincere and humble apologies for that ad. That isn't who we are. That's not what we're about. And that's certainly not what we want to represent. And we will do a better job moving forward of making sure that is clear. And if you didn't hear the ad, then awesome. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, that's just, trust me, you're better off for that. But uh, all right, now let's move into the good stuff, the stuff you all came here to actually listen to today, the fun stuff, the football talk. This episode is part two of our off-season performance review series. We ran the first one a few weeks back, and we got a really good reception with it, so we want to keep it going. But there were some things that 
I wasn't necessarily happy with it. I wish worked maybe a little bit better. And uh, so we had some time to fine tune things since then. And we're making a few adjustments with this series that I actually think will make it even better moving forward. We recognize every show we produce is not perfect, far from it. And there's always room to improve. So that's what we're doing here. Uh, Some of you have probably already noticed that the first change is the most obvious one. And that is the name of the series. I initially had some trouble figuring out what we wanted to call the series because while it was based on the idea of the exit interviews that Kirby Smart has with his players at the conclusion of each season, and you see this in the business world as well, it's not just exclusive to Kirby Smart. The thing is, like, I love that concept, especially when it comes to offseason talk on a podcast, but we aren't actually interviewing anyone, so I didn't want to call it exit interviews and mislead people, so we settled on just calling it exit reviews. Close enough, right? But I wasn't in love with that either. It just didn't sound right. I just didn't feel like it sounded right at least. And one day last week, I just kind of had an epiphany and was like, oh yeah, let's just call it performance reviews. Duh, that makes a lot more sense. So that's the first change. And in line with that, we're going to approach this more like an actual annual performance review you would receive at your place of employment. We're going to give each player an evaluation score, discuss their strengths, identify areas where we think they can improve and set goals for next year, and discuss our general expectations for their future in the program. You guys know, like, I'm sure most of you out there have set through more than one very uncomfortable and kind of awkward performance review. You know what I'm talking about. So we're going to do that with our, with our team, with our players from last year. And another change this time around is... We are getting you guys more involved. We always love to get you guys as involved as we possibly can. You guys did a great job with the uh, postseason awards show that we ran a couple weeks ago, uh, voting on those polls. That was awesome. So you definitely had your voice there. So this time moving forward, instead of just picking out random players to review, we put this out to you guys on social media to let us know who you wanted to hear us discuss. And this time, we just took the first five names that were sent in, at least the first five names that I saw. I tried to take it in chronological order. If I missed something and mess it up, which is certainly possible and probably likely, I apologize for that too. But uh, the basic idea is still very much the same. Just a few cosmetic changes that I think are going to make this series even stronger. So with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and get into this thing. The first player up for his performance review today is one Richard LeCount. All right, Kurt, let's start this by scoring LeCount's job performance in 2019. I'm going to try to keep this as simple as I can, uh, still in the theme of of the show here. So you got four options here, Kurt. We're going to score him one through four. A four would be advanced, three is proficient, two developing, one needs improvement and you can interpret that however you want to interpret it so again four is advanced three is proficient two is developing one is needs improvement so based on his 2019 performance what score are you giving Richard LeCount um I'm actually gonna give him a four you know we've been hard on him but I think by the end of the season he was pretty much our de facto leader of that defense um everything he did especially in the secondary um I thought he really showed out more so even though than someone say like J.R. Reed uh, I thought he did a great job in pass defense, um, and I think the one part, I mean, he's always been athletic and did well in pass defense, but I think the one place that he really started to excel at was his tackling. Um, he did a better job of getting people to the ground and not missing tackles as much, and I think that's what, what why I will um, gladly give him a higher score because I think he became one of our best um, people on defense. Yeah, that's a great breakdown there, and I'll say this to start off. I It's always – rewarding for me I always love it when there's a guy that we've maybe been hard on in the past or critical to a degree like we had Richard LeCount you 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 just mentioned that we talked about this before he's a guy that we have been critical of in the past not because we don't like Richard we love Richard but we just knew he was better than what he was the the level he was performing to his first couple years here in Athens especially when in regards to his, his tackling ability and just doing that on a consistent basis and I love it when a guy that you have been critical of just kind of proves you wrong, right? Like I know who likes to be proven wrong. I, I don't. In these, and, in and the, I think the biggest thing care. is the biggest thing is he could always do this. I mean, you, see, you have people like J.R. Reed, who's I mean, he's not any bigger than uh, Richard LeCount, but he's always had a high tackle rate. And I think the thing is, he just tried to be someone he wasn't, and he just needed to focus on what he can do. Yeah, I mean, Richard's always like it, it was always this weird kind of uh, situation with Richard where. He's not the biggest dude in the world. Richard's actually a pretty small safety. Uh, but if you look at a lot of the other college safeties out there, a lot of the high-level college safeties out there, but he always wanted to be a headhunter, right? Yeah. And so I think sometimes he would try to like deliver those big knockout blows, and it wouldn't always work. Because, I mean, it works in, in high school. I mean, you, you go watch his high school tape from back in the day, and then he was laying people out. But that's in 
high school here in the lower classification in the state of Georgia. That's not in the SEC. So when you try to do that against bigger, stronger guys in the SEC at the next level, it's not going to work out as well for you as it did in high school. And I think he's learned that lesson. He's been a little bit more technically sound this year than he had in the past. Then he uh, took better angles to the ball as well, which is something that I think he really struggled with early in his career, which a lot of guys do young, young in their career. And again, like the idea, like I, I don't mind me improving wrong, but like in this case, Kurt, like, I'm not. I'm not sure we were wrong in our criticism of Richard. Were we like the first couple of years? No, I mean it was very fair criticism. It's not like we were, uh, you know, unduly hard on him. I mean, when he would, I mean, there was a lot of big plays um, that we'd give up defensively, and and, when, and every time it seemed to happen, he was the one that, you know, opened the floodgates. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's one of those things where I think what we saw from him his first year or two was fair to criticize. I think, again, he was better than that. And and that's I guess that's my point is we both knew he was – that's why we were so critical. It's not, not that we didn't like him or we were, trying to, we were trying to kill the guy. We just knew he was capable of more than what he was doing on the field those first couple of years. And I, and, and I think in some ways you could say we were proven right this year because he actually did up his game and perform the level that we'd all expected from him for so long. Um, so it was just – it was great to see. Now in terms of what grade I would give him in his performance review – I, I struggle with this one a little bit because I think that the Richard account we saw the second half of the year was a little bit different than the Richard account in the first half of the year. I think he was better the first half of the year than he was uh, last year in 2018, but I think he took it to a whole other level in the second half of the year. Did you see the same thing, Kurt? Yeah, I did. But yeah, I mean, he was especially towards the end of the season, he was a completely different person. Yeah, and you mentioned like trying to compare him to J.R. Reed. I think J.R. Reed was that guy the first half of the year. Think about the, the Notre Dame game and the performance J.R. Reed put up in that game. That was that was unbelievable. He played lights out in that game. And and I'm not saying J.R. like dropped his level of plays year one. I'm not saying that at all. I just think Richard raised his level to the point where we can say in some ways, maybe by the end of the year, he, he was surpassing the play of even a guy like J.R. Reed who was so good for us for so long. So if you look at the, the season totality, I think you can make an argument for a three and that he was just proficient, but I think by, I, I'm going to go with I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. We were so hard on him for so long, so I'm going to I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to be like you. I'm going to go with a four here and look at yeah, what I we think. I think the here. reason he really got the four is the way he ended the season. Now, if he had done it at the beginning of the season like Jr. and then was still good the last part, um, then I probably would have settled for a three. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Now, uh, so we've talked him up here a little bit, but look, he he's he's still he, he decided to come back for his senior year, and there were reasons for that. Uh, then he wasn't quite ready for the NFL, so there are obviously some things he needs to improve on in 2020. So, looking forward to next year, Curtis, as good as he was at the end of this year, what does he still need to improve on in 2020? Um, I think he needs to consistently tackle, and I think the um, because I think that's definitely one of his biggest weaknesses that people are going to say, "Well, you've done it well, but we need to see it over." Um, a bigger stretch and I think at the same time he just um uh, you, you need more of a leader from him because like you said he's even small in the NFL for things or I mean just in general at the safety position so he's gonna have to show uh, more be- better in pass coverage more so than just you know closing well on the ball or getting there at time but he's gonna have to actually sit there in coverage with people and lock them down I think that's the biggest the, the one part I would like to see yeah, I, I think that's a very fair way to look at it, and um, I, I agree with that. I do think he was – I think he was – as the season went on, went on, I felt more comfortable with him in man coverage than I did maybe even J.R. Reed uh, because I think he's got a little bit more speed and length than J.R. had. But I do see the need for improvement there. There's no doubt about that. that that's something to still polish up his game on. Uh, and I'm going to go – like just going back to tackling, I, I think he made leaps this year, giant leaps forward in terms of his ability as a tackler. But there were still times, and maybe it's just because we're so used to like like watching him, and, and we're, we have been so critical uh, of that part of his game for so long that we're more apt to notice that uh, than maybe we are some other players, and uh, we're just a little harder on him when it comes to that. But I I think he made so much improvement there. But I think there, he's still bringing a little bit more consistent consistency to that role. Again, I mentioned he's a smaller guy. He just got to go with more fundamental uh, a more fundamental approach to bringing guys down. I think he he better with that as the year went on. But I think there's still another a step he can take there. And now that JR is gone, I, one thing that I would like to see more from it, and you mentioned a little bit earlier, I, I think we did see him grow into a little bit more as the year went on. I would like to see him grow more as a leader, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing because he had quite a few of those guys on the defense this year where he was able to have an impact, but he wasn't the guy. I mean, you had Monty, you had Tay, you had J, JR, and you even had people on the defense uh, or on the D line like Tyler Clark, Clark yeah. and people like that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a year where he's – I think he's always been uh, a guy people respect, players on the team respect. Well, especially when you have someone that's right next to you that has all the experience that JR had too. It makes things easier because you kind of defer to him where next year more likely it will be like Lewis Seen or someone up there with him who he's going to have to coach up. Yeah, I think that that is a great point. He – when you have a guy playing the same position that you play, and he's already seen as such a huge leader on the team. I mean, I mean it was two years in a row that JR went to SEC Media Days, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that's right. So he's seen as such a huge leader, not just on the defense, but the entire team. And he plays, like, right next to you. It's tough to kind of uh, kind of find your find your leg, uh, you know, I guess find your footing there. And I think now with JR moving on, I think that opens up and again, I'm not saying Richard was never a leader. And I think he's always been a leader to a degree, but maybe just not to the level that J.R. Reed was, wasn't viewed that way on the, the entire team. I think that is a role he needs to play this year. A guy that's been around for so long. He's got a great personality. People love to be around the kid from everything I understand. So I think people gravitate to him. And he just needs to take on that leadership role, which I fully expect him to do. But that's something that you know, we haven't necessarily seen it to that level from him. So that's something that I'm certainly going to be watching for in 2020 from Richard account. But uh, all right. So before we move on to our next player, uh, real quick here, you know, on any performance review, you got to set goals for the next, the next year, the next season. So what do you think is a realistic goal for Richard account next season? Um, I'd say something like maybe having above 90% tackle ratio, I think would be a big thing. And I think at the same time, he, he's someone that we need to get picks from. I'd like to say, see maybe three picks from him. Oh, three picks. And, and we've seen that ability from him uh, at times this year. And not even just this year, in years past as well. But I, I do think he's capable of getting three picks. I think that's that's certainly very doable for him. Uh, for me, I'm going to say my real – I think, and I think this is a realistic goal for him next season. Now, now correct me if I'm wrong, I'm cool. I'm totally cool with it if you, if you disagree with me here. I think it's reasonable to say that Rich LeCount has a shot to make the all-SEC first team next year. Is that uh, crazy? That is fair. Yeah, and I'm not saying All-American yet. Okay, I'm saying All-SEC first-team safety. I think he has that level of ability. I'm not going to declare right now he's going to do it, but I think that is a realistic goal for this guy. I think he has that kind of ability, that kind of talent, and that kind of experience to for that to be a realistic possibility. And, I, and part, a, lot, a big part of like those All-SEC list, uh, it, it, a lot of his name recognition. And I think he put his name on the radar more than he has at any point in his career the last half of this season. And I think because of that, now he's a senior, and you're so talking about maybe he might go to the NFL draft. Nobody decides to come back, so I think he's have a little bit more name recognition. So if he gets some of that love, I think in the preseason, and that's critical to end up on those lists at the end of the year, especially on the defensive side of the ball, when a lot of people don't really know how to exactly evaluate what you're doing, as the stats aren't really there like they are for like running backs and quarterbacks and receivers. So I think that's a realistic goal for him. And, and what about this? Now this one I'm not as confident in. Um, what would you say if I think it's if I said it's potentially realistic for him to be like in the conversation to be a first round draft pick in I guess the twenty? Um, I think that's draft. a little bit high just because his size. Um, yeah, that's 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 the drawback. Yeah, it's just I don't know if he's big enough. I think I think first second round is doable for him. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think first or second round is doable. I think all SEC first team is, is certainly realistic. And I kind of have those expectations for him this year. Um, we'll see how it plays out, but I, I think he's certainly capable of that. And before we move on to our next player, I do want to tell you guys about our friends at Simply Safe. Every night, local police departments across America receive hundreds and hundreds of calls from burglar alarms. The vast majority of the time, though, the cops have no idea whether the alarm is actually real or not. Is there really a crime going on or not? All the alarm company can tell them is, hey guys, the motion sensor went off. Like that, That's some great amount of information. But Simply Safe Home Security is different. If you're like me and you're one of those guys who is just like hypersensitive to every single little sound at night and you're tired of having to sleep with a knife under your bed, and yes, guys, I literally do that. I'm very, very weird. But if you're like me, Simply Safe is the solution. If there's a break in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. That means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home. You got outdoor cameras, doorbell alerts uh, that 
tell you when anyone's approaching your home. You got entry motion, glass break sensors, all that they, that guard the interior of your home. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning. It really is an all-in-one type of thing. It's 24/7 monitoring by live security professionals. You can set up your system yourself. No tools needed. Simply Safe does it all for you, and it's only 50 cents a day. And here's the kicker, guys: no contracts at all. All you have to do is visit simplysafe.com/slash overtime. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've truly got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash overtime so they know our show sent you guys. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime. All right, moving on. We're actually going to stick in the defensive backfield here for a couple more minutes. The next player up for his performance review today is one Tyreek Stevenson. So, Kurt, what score would you give Stevenson for his performance in 2019 as a true freshman? Um, I'm actually going to go with a three. Okay. I think I'm going to go with a three. Um, the thing is that he didn't play the whole year, but I thought when he did play, the guy was a game changer. I mean, you know, he would made some of these mistakes, um, you know, not many that jumped out at you, uh, but there are small things. But I think the biggest thing is that the guy did his job. And I mean, I mean, you saw him come up big in the Auburn game and games like that to where the guy really was a game changer for us. And um, I think he found a role and a spot to play in this defense going forward. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with everything you said about what he did the second half of the year. For me, my performance review, I, I didn't qu- I wasn't quite as generous as you. I can totally see the argument you made uh, as a three for him being proficient. I, I graded him out as a, at a two for developing. And the reason I went there and not with a three is because he just, I would say, really wasn't the last third of the season before he was a factor at all. Now, when he became a factor, I agree with you. He became a big factor on our defense. Uh, he became a fixture in our dying package the last third of the season. But again, he just didn't really play all that much until that point. But when he did get in and he started to play, he played quite a bit, especially in, you know, in the LSU game where he had, like, what, 27 defensive backs out there, I think was the number. Mm-hmm. I saw correctly uh but I mean no in all seriousness like you saw the talent you saw the ability you saw the versatility that was all on full display when he went out there uh you know the nickname and people have been hitting me up on Twitter about this uh past couple days I actually had a couple of questions about Tyreek Stevenson um and the the moniker Tyreek the Freak right I mean you saw that didn't you yeah that's his big thing yeah, I mean, you you saw like you you see the freakish ability, the freakish athleticism in in that package that he brings to the table. Now, I I I'm curious to see where he ends up next year, but I I think at the very least he's going to yet again be a fixture in the dying package as that money guy coming in there. The, the the issue is we have so many guys that can play that role, whether it's Mark Webb, whether it's Tyreek Stevenson, whether it's Devon Wilson. We've got some guys coming in this year. Keely Ringo could potentially fill in, in into some of those spots. Like there's competition there. That's the tough spot. Oh, that's the tough thing. And, and now, I think Tyreek is as talented as any of those guys, perhaps even more so talented than guys like Mark Webb and Devon Wilson. Uh, he's, he's a little shorter than those guys, but he's got a pretty stout body type. Yeah, see, that's um, the thing. He's a very physical bo- guy in your face. Yeah, his body, I know he's not DeAndre. So the body type reminds me, like, shorter, but, like, but, but thick, you know what I mean? Uh, I think I see similar body types there between those two guys. No different sides of the ball, different positions, different guys. I get that, but there, there's some similarities in just their physical makeup. Um, but – he 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 brings so much versatility to the table because not only does he have elite coverage ability once he kind of figures out how to actually do it with consistent technique, but his ability with the, with the size, the thickness he brings to the table, he can actually stick his nose up in there. I'm not saying between the tackles, but in the run game at the line of scrimmage and be a force there. We saw him do that at times last year. I also liked what I saw from him for, uh, with his ability to blitz. He, kind of, he seemed like a natural blitzer to me, and and, and I say that. That, that were natural guys because I, I don't think it's natural for everybody. Some guys don't know how to time it. Some guys give it away. Some guys just and some guys just have it. Uh, and he's he, he showed me the ability to be able to time it perfectly uh, to where he's like he's still moving full speed at the snap and, and kind of be able to deke out the the offensive quarterback on what on what he's going to be doing that play. I think he's a really, really good blitzer. So there's a lot that he brings to the table. And so I totally see your argument that why he could potentially be great out as a three, as a proficient. But because he just didn't do it throughout the entire season, really, I mean, I would say like, I think the last third of the season really is where, where we saw him. Uh, I'm going to still go with developing. Because I think as good as he was when we did see him, I think he can be so much better than what we even saw 
this year. Uh, now, now, speaking to that, Kurt, what does he need to improve on in 2020? Um, probably his coverage skills. I think that's where most young DBs have to improve. Because I thought the guy's a good tackler. Like you mentioned, he's a good blitzer. Um, I think that all of that plays into his game, but I still think he needs to work on his fundamentals and um, just getting better with his coverage. I think that's the one spot I really can see him improving. Yeah, and I and I totally agree with that. And that, but see, the thing is, like, that's not abnormal, right? I mean, he's, he's no, exactly. That's what I said. Most young people, even upper class, yeah. have to work on their coverage skills. But I think that's the one spot where he could really improve. But I honestly think going forward that he actually is probably better at the star position than the two guys we had playing it for a majority of the year. Do you think he is a more of a star than an outside corner? Right now, yes, because I don't know who he's going to start over between the three on top and the fact that you're going to throw in Keely Ringo. Um, I think that that's just a a better spot for him. I think he's fully capable of playing outside and playing it very, very well. Yeah, and I don't, don't, and that's not what I'm saying. I think he can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think the opportunities are there. Well, I think that he has a better skill set to play in the star position than the people who are out there because I think he can. I think he's a better cover person in that star because and he get you saw what he like even when he did play he was getting up onto people like getting into those tight ends and people's like that and just kind of shutting them down. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said, that. and that was exactly where I was going with it. Is that I, I think he absolutely can play outside. Make no bones about it. I think he has the ability to be a, a really really good outside cornerback. But as you just said, I'm just to reemphasize it there. What I see him, I, th- I see him as a guy that has more of an ability to play inside at the star position, the money position, than a guy like DJ Daniel. DJ Daniel is not he he doesn't have the frame to do that. Uh, he's a willing tackler, but he's not as big and thick as Tyreek Stevenson is. Uh, same thing with Eric Stokes. Stokes is willing, but he's not quite as big and thick and strong and physical as Tyreek Stevenson is. And then you've got Tyson Campbell, who's uh, a taller guy, but just doesn't come in the same physical package. It hasn't displayed that physicality that I think Tyreek Stevenson displayed in, in the, the short amount of playing time he got last year. And you're right, you bring a guy like Keely Ringo into the equation. I mean, like, I don't know if that's going to be in the cards for him this year, barring some crazy injury bug, which could happen. You know, we saw it last year. Uh, but I do think that uh, Star is probably the position for him right now, but I wouldn't you know, rule him out to, be, to move the outside uh, maybe in 2021. And I don't know if he'll be, still be here in 2022, but if, if so, potentially that year as well. Uh, in terms of what he needs to improve on, I, I think you mentioned some of the coverage stuff. To me, like he has every tool you need to be an elite cover guy. And we saw it at times this year. Where he struggled at times was in the areas where most true freshmen struggle. Uh, especially highly talented true freshmen like him in the secondary. It's just the understanding of route combinations, like how offenses are trying to attack you, the recognition of like that that's half the battle. Once you recognize what what the, the route combinations the offenses are throwing at you and what they're trying to do, then you're ahead of the game. You're ahead of the curve, and then your natural instincts, your natural ability can just take over. And I think at times he wasn't able to play as fast as I think he will moving forward because he was thinking maybe a little too much out there, didn't quite understand all those route combinations that were thrown at him. I think playing with leverage is another thing that he needs to work on a little bit. Again, you got all the physical tools you would need, but just the the, the the nuance, as you were saying, the technical aspects of playing that position, I think those are things that he can work on. Uh, and blitzing, I, I just talked to him about as, in terms of how good of a blitz, natural blitzer I think he is, and I do really think he is in terms of timing and getting to the quarterback. The one area I, I – and we, look, we only have a small sample size, so got to keep that under consideration here. But there were, the one criticism I would have of his play in, in terms of blitzing the quarterback was just coming in under control. Did you see that, Kurt, where he, like, he would get back yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, that's sometimes why he's so good coming up and making tackles. Um, you saw it kind of hurt him a little bit when he – I think I want to say it was Joe Burrow. Um, he came in a little under control. And as his championship game, I think it was actually the play where he made the you know the Superman rolling out and throwing yeah. it. I want to say, but I just know there were a couple times where he's coming in a little under out of control. I think Nick's got him a time or two in the Auburn yeah, game. Yeah, actually, well. it was Nick's. I think who yeah. beat him around. I I, I yeah. remember a quarterback beating him. It happened multiple times. Um, yeah. And it's, but again, like he was so good. This is what I'm talking about. Like he he was he's so naturally good at bringing the pressure that he. He puts himself in a position where he's there to make the play. You just got to get the quarterback down, right? Like when yeah. you have a chance to make a, a play like that, it could potentially be not, not just drive coming, but, but game-changing potential. Like in that Auburn game, a play like that late in the game could have been game-changing. Now, fortunately, we're still able to win, but uh, it's just coming in under control. And it's, t- it is, it is, it's tougher than it looks, guys. Like when you're coming full speed at a guy, 
um, like put, throwing on the brakes real fast when they put a quick move on you, that's very difficult. Uh, and some of those quarterbacks can be very slippery once, once you get in there uh, and you're coming full speed like that and the momentum can take you out of the play. It's harder than it looks. But that's still something, as hard as it might be, you still got to get better at that because when you get back there, that's great. That's step one. But you got to be able to bring the quarterback down. And I think that's something you can improve on, which that's okay um, because he's a young guy. And I think he will get better at that. So uh, in terms of the goals for next season for Tyree Stevenson, Kurt, what do you think is a realistic goal for him moving forward? Um, I think he just needs to establish himself more so in the uh, star position. You know, like we said, work on all those things and get himself to where he's getting majority of the reps. Because I think that you saw – our defense looks better in pass coverage, and at the same time, he also does. I think he's a strong tackler, so I think he, you know, fits that role star better. I think our defense, you know, kind of started playing better in the year. I mean, they played well the whole year, but I thought it went a lot more smoother when he was in there. So I want to see him more, more so establish himself as the de facto guy at the star position. Do you think he right now? If you had to, I don't know, like spring practice is not even here yet, but if you had to project here, February seventeenth, will he be the starter at star game one? Um, I think so. I mean, he'll. I wouldn't be shocked to see Mark Webb out there or something. But I Kirby loves think, Mark Webb. Yeah, but I just still think the fact that Stevenson is so much more smooth and natural in that position. Yeah, look, I love Mark Webb too. This guy, I mean, what what uh, just what a team player. You know, comes a, as a wide receiver, a pretty highly titled wide receiver. Uh, did some good things in the open practice I saw um, a couple years back, his first year here at camp on campus, and then uh, he is willing to move to the defensive backfield and did it without complaint, at least any kind of public complaint, and just worked and worked. Didn't get him as, as much playing time his first year there, uh, then became a fixture, really a starter almost all year at the star position this year. He played a lot last year as well. So I love me some Mark Webb as well, but I think from like a like a just true like – I know Webb's a little – he is bigger, not a little. He's taller, a little bit bigger. Um, I think there's a comparable physicality there between the two. But I, I think in terms of like physical ability – I think Tyreek is more talented, more athletic than, than Mark Webb is. And I think Mark's really athletic and really talented himself. Uh, and Devon Wilson, I, and you got you and I were both really high on, high on him coming into last year. I thought he did some good things last year. Uh, and I think he's talented too. But I think Tyreek, would you say of those three, Tyreek's ceiling is maybe the highest? Yeah, I think so. I think that um... – I think I just think he's a more natural def- like pass guy in coverage. I think that's where he really separates himself. Yep, I agree. I, I, I that's absolutely I agree. He's not quite as tall and long as those guys, but um, he's still physical at the point of attack. And I do think he has uh, maybe a little extra burst of athleticism. And I, and I think he's and because I think he, you're right. I think he's got a higher ceiling from a coverage perspective. So um, it's going to be a tough battle, man. It's going to be a tough battle, but. It would not shock me to see him uh, come out victorious in that battle, be the starter at the star position. So I think that, to me, that's the realistic goal. Be the starter next year, game one, against Virginia on Labor Day night. I think that's the realistic goal for him next year. All right, uh, let's move over to the offensive side of the ball here for a second. Let's look at an offensive lineman. I know we love the big uglies here. And let's talk about Jamari Salyer. Didn't get a, pl- a ton of playing time last year, Curtis, but there there was a, at least a sample size there. So from what you saw from Sawyer last year, how would you grade his performance in 2019? I'm actually going to go straight to a three. Um, I know he didn't play all the time, but when he did, you could see the skills, the talent, and everything he did. Um, I was uber impressed the way he played that right tackle position. Um, you know, someone that we won't talk about anymore was at left tackle getting absolutely embarrassed while Jamari Salyer, a guy who barely played, you know, played throughout the year but not as much. Absolutely stonewalled. Zero pressures given up. Yeah, absolutely stonewalled everyone that came after him. He reminds me right now of like a little bit better Isaiah Wilson, or I mean Isaiah Wynn. In my opinion, they have very similar body types, but he's still at that tackle. A little little bigger, a little thicker than Wynn at that. Yeah, and I I, I, I think he moves better too. I mean, as as athletic as Isaiah Wynn is, I think that – Salyer's even more athletic when you like you take into account his size and everything. Yeah. And um, I was just very impressed because last year when we had injuries and you brought Trey Hill in, you could see a big drop off. But when the times that Salyer went in, there were times where like maybe this guy should just be flat out starting. I I had to admit, like late in the year when I saw he was playing against Georgia Tech and Baylor, I was thinking like, man, like. Why didn't this guy play a little bit more throughout the year? Because they're as good as Arwin's line was and the hype and everything. There were pockets in the year where I thought we struggled. Like and the obvious one is the South Carolina game. Like that, like we just we got manhandled up front in that game. That's why we lost. You can put it on Jay Fromm and you can put it on James Coley. And and, the, and, and they they had their issues too. Don't be wrong. Fromm threw a horrible pick, a pick six. It was a game changer, no doubt. 
Coley, good guy. I'm still not quite sure what's going on in that game. But there are a lot of issues in that game. Uh, receivers dropping passes certainly didn't help. But my God, I would I would, I would never forget and sit in the stands like and just saying over and over again to myself, we're getting manhandled. We're getting manhandled. South Carolina is manhandling our all everything offensive line. Um, so I think that, <laughs> and he was he was included in that. So for me. I, again, it's, it's, it's kind of similar to the uh, the whole thing we just went over with Tyree Stevenson. Like, I, I totally see the argument for a three based on how he ended the year, particularly that performance in the Sugar Bowl against Baylor, who, who by the way, had one of the best pass rushes in America last year. Yeah, and that I think that's most people haven't talked about enough is that Baylor actually was very, very good defensively, and I want to say they got like four to five sacks a game. They were a dominant pass rushing defense last year. Like that's how that's how they that, that I mean, they're not the most talented teams. So they had to be aggressive up front. They did some things differently with with what with, with kind of how they structured their front seven. Uh, and it, it, was, it was tough. It was tough to handle, especially for a guy who hadn't played all that much in his career to come in there and give like literally guys zero pressure. Not I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about pressures. Well, you're right. The 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 guy at left tackle who who shall rena- remain unnamed um, got beat multiple times in that game, which is fine. That's fine. You can have fun uh, wherever he will be moving forward. Uh, but I'm I'm gonna go with a. Uh, it's so it's tough. I, I totally see a three based on the way into the year. I'm going to go with a two, though, just like Tyree Stevens. I'm, I'm going with consistent, consistency here. Um, and the reason I'm going with two is because, again, he didn't play a ton this year. And there were times early in the year, which makes sense because he still he didn't play really that much in 2018, or really hardly at all in 2018. So it makes sense. He was still a young player developing. But, like, in that South Carolina game, it wasn't just him. By all means, trust me, it was not just him. But when he was in in that game, like, particularly there was a play late in the game, I think in the fourth quarter, we were trying to go down and score. I think we were down 17-10, I want to say, like under three minutes to go in the game. And uh, we, were, we were about on the 10, 15-ish yard line, something like that. I still remember this vividly. And from – I mean, Ken Law was doing this to, all, to people all day long. It wasn't just him. And Trey Hill was the victim. A lot of people were victims. But he just got, like, thrown back into Jake Fromm. And Fromm, I, th- I think the play was going to be there. And ultimately, ended up scoring, tied the game, all, all that. But – um from had to try to escape the pocket and run and run around, which is what he was trying to do all game long, run for his life. And I just remember that kind of stuck out to me about Salyer in that game. And and I, I, I don't I don't want to make one play be the defining moment of the, of the of the year for him, but that that kind of stuck out to me. And there were other moments in that game where he got pushed around a little bit. But I think as the season wore on, he got more and more playing time, got more comfortable, uh, and just more experience. So what happens? You get more experience, and what happens? You play better. And I think we saw that from Jamari Salyer, which was really encouraging against Georgia Tech. I saw some really good things from him. And I know Tech is a, a, a J. JV team, I get that, and that's being very generous. But still, he played well in that game. And against Baylor, as we were just talking about, I mean, he was lights out, man. Like, he might have been our best offensive lineman in that game. Like, um, like truly, might have been the best offensive lineman in that game. So um, I can see the argument for three. I'm still going to go with the two just for consistency's sake here. Uh, I I do think I like I like the comparison there to Isaiah Wynn in terms that they're both kind of like shorter guys for ta- for the tackle position, but both have good good athleticism. Maybe not the, the greatest link, but good athletes, good footwork. He's got incredible feet. I mean, coming out of, out of high school, I thought he was one of the better interior lineman prospects I'd seen in a while, just because of the the, the footwork, athleticism, size, power combination. Um, and so I, I wasn't sure he would be a he would could really play tackle all that well, but he's kind of proved me wrong. And I don't I don't know if left tackle would really be the same, but right tackle I think he can be a really good right tackle for us. And I also think he could be a really good interior lineman as well still. But I think tackle is probably where he's going to end up next year. Um, but you, you touched on this a little bit, Curtis, but what does he need to improve on in 2020? I think the biggest thing is, as, as you mentioned, the more he got comfortable, the better he got. I think he just needs to work on his comfortability. Um, you know, I think sometimes he was slow thinking, you know, slow reacting because as good as Sam Pittman was, I sometimes I didn't like how he cross-trained people all the time to the fact where I think, especially to these young guys, like they just need to get comfortable being on the field in general, but yet you're trying to throw so much at them that they weren't, they were very reactive instead of being proactive. And once you saw him kind of getting settled into certain positions or just knowing what he's going to do, he was a completely different blocker coming off the ball, making, you know, striking people instead of being the one struck. And I think that's just where he needs to continue to try to improve his game because I think if he can do that and become more comfortable and everything, then we know what the guy is truly capable of. You nailed it, dude. You, you stole right out of my mouth there. Uh, one big thing I, I think he needs to improve on, I love how you said it there, he needs to work on striking instead of being the one being struck. Like You want to give the blow, not receive it. I think he needs to work on attacking defenders. He did that better in the second half of the year, uh, but I, I still go back to that South Carolina game, what I saw from him early in the year, like Javon Kinlaw. And Javon Kinlaw was really, really good. Don't be wrong. But he was like 
letting them get on get their hands on him first. And that's that's the battle in the, in the trenches. If they get their hands, if the defender gets the hand on you first, chances are you're beat. If you get your hands on him first, chances are you're going to win, especially if you're playing with proper leverage. Um, he didn't always attack defenders uh, consistently early in the year. He used to improve that punch because the thing is, he's so powerful. Like he's he is a strong, powerful dude. And when he gets that, when he punches you, when he gets you, he gets his hands on you, you're going to move. But he didn't do that consistently early in the in the year. I think he did a much better job of that later on, especially getting that Baylor game in the, in the Sugar Bowl. So I just want to see him be more consistent there uh, and just play with a better balance. It's the technical aspects of the position, which the guy doesn't play that much. You would expect him to have to get a little bit better at improving. Um, just better balance, playing a little better base, uh, a little stronger kick set against the pass rush. I didn't see him uh, – we saw that, again, against Baylor – did a pretty solid job there early in the year. I it was, it was very much a work in progress. So just becoming more of an expert at that, I, I think he could be a really good player for us this year. So, Kurt, what do you think is a realistic goal for Jamari Salyer next season? Um, I think you're seeing him starter start day one. I just don't know what position yet, but I expect him to be one of the uh, five rolled out. Yep, I think he will start every. I, I think it's realistic for him to set the goal to be a starter for every single game next year, as long as he stays healthy. Uh, and I think even in like because let's not forget, guys, he'll be a junior. So if that is the case, I think it's realistic for him to set the goal to put himself in position to declare early next year. And I hope he, I mean, I'd love for him to stay, but if he has the kind of year that I think he's capable of, I think he will put himself in that position. I think that's, that's certainly a realistic goal for him as well. So yeah, I think right tackle is probably the spot for him at least to start, but we'll see how there'll be some moving pieces. There'll be a lot of guys getting some opportunities, but uh, I, I, if I had to handicap it now, I'd probably lean towards right tackle. And before we move to our next performance review, I do want to tell you guys about CryoFreeze. Living with chronic pain is the worst. It's more than just a feeling of discomfort. It totally affects your entire life. Many of you guys out there probably have some type of pain that's prevented you from relaxing and sleeping or just stopped you from exercising. I know I've been there. There's no doubt I've been there a couple times in my life. And perhaps it's been ongoing for a few weeks now and it hasn't improved with any of the treatments that you've tried. Well, if that's the case, enter Omax Health. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while also providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, CryoFreeze CBD Roll-On, developed by Omax Health. This non-prescription, triple-action pain relief roll-on is specifically formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part about this whole thing is it's 100% natural. CBD powered. It's a remedy that works its magic within 10 minutes of application and the relief lasts up to eight hours, so much longer than the -the over-the-counter products. Omax Health is offering all of you listeners out there 20% off of a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on plus free shipping. This discount also applies towards any product at all site-wide. All you have to do is go to omaxhealth.com today and enter the code OVERTIME. That's O-M-A-X health.com and enter code OVERTIME to get 20% off cryo-freeze and everything else site-wide. All right, a couple more guys here before we get out today. Next up, going back to the defensive side of the ball, let's talk about Nolan Smith and let's go over his performance review today. So, Kurt, how did Nolan Smith grade out for you in his freshman campaign? Um. I would go with the two. Um, I think he did play well, but you definitely saw where he's still developing. Okay. What was it about him that you think he needs to improve on in 2020? Um, probably just being consistent. I think sometimes he just tried to bull rush people too much or certain things like that. But I think as he continues to get better and more developed and work on techniques and things like that, the more dangerous he's going to become, you know, especially right now when you have someone like Jarvis Jones being a, uh, student or whatever, what, however kind of coach he is, yeah. the more he trains with someone like that, because the guy has explode, he explodes off the ball. He's strong for how big he is. I think as he continues to grow and get bigger and stronger too, to group that together with you know getting better techniques and ripping through blocks and getting off blocks and getting around guys, I think the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, the sky is one hundred percent the limit for Nolan Smith. You know, this is a you know. I, not we haven't disagreed, but we've been on a different page here for a couple of these. So the ones that you were given a three on, you're a little higher on. I was a little bit lower on. I'm actually a little higher on Nolan Smith. I see the again, just like all the other other couple there. I see the argument for you giving him a, a two is developing. 
I just think he played a little bit more consistently throughout the year from like from like now, day he was one very on. consistent when he played. Um, you know, yeah. the guy it did help him, especially as a freshman. That he was in such a deep um position group. Um, but when he w- was out there, you saw him making plays. Like when he was on the field, he was either in the backfield making plays or he was even chasing the ball down. The guy did it all. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't playing a ton of snaps every game. He's probably playing between 10 and 20 snaps a game. Uh, he came in in certain packages. Aziz was the guy that was coming in as a starter in our in our base package, which we were hardly in. Um, but for me, I'm going to give I'm going to give Nolan a 3. I'm, I'm going to call him proficient last year. That's my grade for him uh in his performance review from 2019. And part of that was like he was he was so solid. The word I would use for Nolan last year was solid. He wasn't a game changer last year. Like I know a lot of people were, a lot of people like put all these expectations on a guy who was the number one recruit in the country coming out last year. Um, and I expect him just to be like you know a ten sack guy right away. And I just I never thought that was realistic. Really, mainly because of the, the scheme in which we play. We just don't ask our guys to do that, uh, except when we get in third down situations, our dying package. But he was just so solid last year, especially against the run. That's where you typically see true freshman struggle, especially guys who are as highly touted as Nolan Smith. Everybody's supposed to come in and just be a, a sack master right away. Um, it's, that's, that's a tougher thing for them to buy into is playing the run, but he was a willing defender against the run. I thought a really strong defender against the run. You don't see that as much from guys at that position at, at that young stage in their career. And the guy just plays so hard. I mean, what a team kind of guy. Again, usually guys that are that highly talented and that highly recruited – uh, they want to put up their numbers, put up their stats. And, they, and sometimes they'll take – like, like look at Jadavion Clowney back in the day. Look at all the, number, the number of plays that dude took off. We didn't see that at all from Nolan Smith. This guy was just um, playing as hard as he could every single snap he was out there. Um, and you saw the insane athleticism. You saw the 4-5 the speed from the guy in that frame. Um, it's just crazy how athletic this guy is. Now, what does he need to improve on? I agree with you, Chris. I think the big thing here is he needs to diversify his pass rush moves. You're writing a, a little too often. He kind of relied on that bull rush, which again, in high school, you can get away with that. But that's something I'm not all that worried about because that's something that comes with time, that comes with experience, where you get to diversify those pass rush moves, become a little bit more dangerous, and just play with better leverage, I think, on the edge. That's, that's a big part of playing on the edge there and being an elite pass rusher. Uh, and also, I think as well as he played against the run, I still think he has room to grow, uh, add a little bit to that frame, grow a little bigger, a little bit stronger, become an even stronger run defender. And that'll also help in the pass game as well. And and just, I think all of our awesome linebackers can improve on this. We talked about this with Azizo Jolari a couple weeks ago, just converting. Uh, run defense to the pass rush, Con- converting that a little bit more consistently, a little bit more effectively. And uh, I think this is a guy that could have a big sophomore year, move much closer to the type of impact player that a lot of people expect him to be this year. But uh, what do you think is our risk goal for Nolan next year, Kurt? Um, I don't know if I want to say – it's just hard to say because there's just so much talent out there. so many options in that position. Um, but I definitely expect him to have at least five sacks. I'll, I think that's one thing I could say I expect out of him. Yeah, to me, I, I went with – I think it's realistic to say I, – I, I mean, we're splitting here. So I said six sacks, and I, and I picked six because the uh, Aziz was the leader last year in sacks at five and a half. And I think it's realistic to say that Nolan, as a sophomore, the under his belt, can surpass that and potentially lead our team in sacks. Uh, we, look, we have a lot of options, whether it's Aziz probably going to play more than anybody based on what we saw last year. Jermaine Johnson's going to play a lot. Adam Anderson's going to play. Mikhail Sherman might get in there and play some a little bit. Nolan's going to play a lot too. But since we have so many guys playing that position and we like to rotate guys in and out and keep them happy and, and keep them fresh, I don't know if we're going to have one guy against the 10 sacks or something like that, right? Like We don't have a Chase Young who plays every single snap, do we? No, and I think that's the thing. Even as, as uh, Aziz was our guy, the guy didn't play every snap. Yeah, absolutely. So I think six and a half sacks or some six, six and a half sacks somewhere around there is reasonable. I, I would say it's a reasonable like possibility, a goal for set to lead our team in sack next year. I think that's reasonable. And like I, I would say like push Aziz to start, but like I, I think who starts that position is kind of overrated because they each have their own role. Um, so I, I think I would say just I think it's realistic for him to potentially lead the team in sacks next year. I think that's a realistic goal. All right, and finally, going back over the offensive side of the ball here for a couple minutes, we have – everyone's favorite wide receiver, Mr. Matt Landers. We love you, Matt. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I can predict where you're going to go with this one, but I'll ask it anyway. How did you evaluate Matt Landers' performance in 2019? What score are you giving him? A one. Needs improvement, yeah. I'm actually with you on this one. We actually agree on Matt Landers there. That's where He's I predict. lucky there's not like a half a point. Well, what about his performance? <laughs> Dude, he got killed all year. Let's give him a little bit of love, right? But what about it? his performance this season gave him the lowest score of anyone today. Gave him a one. Um, ran, ran terrible, ran terrible routes. Um, 
the, I want to say it was consistently, which yeah, I want to say it was uh, his third. I believe it was his third year in the system. Yet yep, you would have thought he was a you know that it was spring practice and he was an early enrollee. The way he ran routes so poorly, someone that should have had a better connection with Jake. Even though yeah, you weren't going to be the guy or and everything, but you still should have put time in. And it just looked like he he was like a lost puppy out there. And I think that's the one thing that bothered me the most is. This is something I expect from a freshman. Even then, freshmen, you know, people that want to get on the field and things like that, don't let this happen. I was just continuously disappointed by the la- uh, his lack of awareness out there running routes. And then even then when the ball was coming his way, he was he was soft. Um, it's as simple as that. He won't high point the ball. He won't go up there and take the ball away from people. You watch George Pickens. He'll be in tight coverage. That ball comes near him. He can get his hands on it. Attacking him. He's, he's more likely coming down because he, he is strong-handed. And that's the thing. He's just too weak. So when yeah, you pair I, those when you pair those two things together, uh, it's a recipe for you staying on the bench. Yeah, and uh, everything you said is uh, that was very well said. Actually, I agree with all of it. We all saw the issues last year. I will say that I mean I, I I'll go back to the beginning of the year. I love his frame, his physical profile. I was actually hope hopeful that he would have a big year for us because he has the frame, he has the speed, he has the athleticism, all of that. He has all the, the in terms of physical tools. He's got it. So, and I still believe he can do it because he has the physical profile. Doesn't mean he will ever do it, but I, I think he can do it if he gets his head right. But to me, use the word soft. I think that was part of it. And I hate to call any of our guys soft, but I think he played soft at times, uh, a lot of the time last year, actually. So, what does he need to improve on? I think hands, absolutely. You talk about the, there's the, the weak hands. Like you mentioned going and getting the ball at its high point in those 50 50 ball situations. Just didn't come down with him, like ever, really. I was really glad to see him get that touchdown against Baylor this year ball because that – I mean, I hate for our guys to struggle. I want to say good things about him, but it was tough last year. I think confidence is another thing. Like when, when things didn't go well for him, you can see his body language was very poor, get down on himself, and that kind of got in his head and affected his play. I really believe that. You talk about the route running, uh, just uh, routing his routes off, allowing uh, corners and, and defenders to get underneath him. Uh, just needs to improve on a lot of things. There's no doubt about that. Kurt, real quick, what do you think is a realistic goal for Matt Landers next season? The hope he can get in the two deep. Wow. Get in the two deep. Tell us how you really feel, Kurt. Look, I, I, I still believe in that he has the ability to do something. Now, will he ever be an elite receiver for us? I don't know if I'm ready to go that far now. I had hope. Uh, I just don't see it right now. Or at least there's no evidence to suggest, outside of maybe like his physical makeup and profile, that he's ever going to be an elite receiver here in Athens. I mean, I guess anything's possible, and I really hate writing guys off completely, but we just haven't seen him give us anything to suggest that that's ever going to be a possibility. But I still don't think that means he can't contribute and be at least a, a solid option for us. I think if he can give us what, like to say what Dominic Blaylock gave us last year, if he can give us 15 to 20 catches, 250 to 300 yards, I'll call it a day, right? Would you be happy with that from him next year? I'd be ecstatic. Yeah, if he could have given that to us this year, we would in a lot better shape. We certainly needed it. There's no doubt there. But all right, guys, that does it for us here today on the Glory UGA podcast. It's always fun to be talking some football. I don't care what time of year it is, February 17th or not. We always saw football here on the Glory UJ podcast. We'll definitely be talking some basketball. Oh, God, I guess we'll be talking some basketball at some point. Uh, definitely talking some college baseball. We did a show last week. If you missed the 2020 Georgia baseball season preview, we ran that show last week. We'll be covering that more as the season progresses. We had a great first weekend getting a sweep over the Richmond Spiders, so that was great to see. It wasn't always easy, but we got that sweep, so we'll have some more coverage of that stuff for you guys, but football is always near and dear to our hearts and number one for us so we will uh, have you guys completely covered for your off-season football fix each and every week for i even want to count down the months but for however many months are ahead of us before we get to the 2020 season but thanks for listening guys we always appreciate the support and again we do apologize for the ad that ran on the friday episode from last week it has been removed so don't don't try to go find it now because it's gone at this point but we do apologize for that and we'll definitely make sure to do a better job of monitoring all of that moving forward thanks again guys we appreciate it for curtis i'm tyler check back with us later this week for some more content we got you guys covered and as always go dogs